Hi, everyone. It's Henry DeVries. I'm the CEO of Indie Books International. Welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. So this is where we look at how do you market with a book? Not market a book, market with a book. And that's all about getting more credibility, more impact, more influence, and more clients. And this is our open forum call. We've got several of our authors today. We'll be talking with them. They get a little more FaceTime on the call. And first, we're going to go around and have them introduce themselves. Please tell us uh, where you live, your name, and the title of your book. Uh, doesn't have to be in that order, but uh, that's the basic things we want to start. Name, city, and title of the book. So let's start off with uh, Chris and then go to David. Everybody, my name is Chris Hodges, author of Noble Automation Now, Innovate, Motivate, and Transform with Intelligent Automation. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I think I got the city and the title in the wrong order. Thanks, Chris. Welcome, David. Hi, everybody. I'm David Goldman. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I uh, wrote the book, uh, The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Thanks, David. How about Dr. Carey and then Joe? Hi, everybody. Dr. Carey coming to you from sunny Denver, Colorado, and I am the author of the book, Self-Help on the Go. Welcome. Uh, Mason. Well, hello, everybody. Mason Harris. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, available for interviews on anything politically uh, sensitive. And I'm the author of the book, The Chutzpah Advantage. Look forward to speaking with you. Thanks, Mason. And Teresa Ashby, Dr. Ashby. Hello, thank you. I'm Dr. Teresa Ashby, and I am from Long Beach, California. And my book is called Better Implementation Now, Eight Ways Great Strategies Fail and How to Fix Them. Okay, thank you. And Joe. I'm Joe Palo from St. Paul, Minnesota, and the title of my book is How to Sell Nothing, A Logical Way to Make the Emotional Sale. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, everybody. So um, we're going to go a little deeper today. It's an open forum, so we're going to hear from each one of you a little more on the book, and also it'd be a great time for a question you have about the marketing ahead or any feedback you're looking for. So that's the purpose of today's call. So uh, let's start off with uh, David Goldman. David, tell us a little bit more about your book and is there something at this stage of the game you're thinking about? Well, thanks, Henry, I appreciate that. Yeah, the book is uh, nine stories of people who hired me to get a particular result in their life. Uh, I make most of my living by coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. They hired me to get something, and along the way, uh, they got something that was even more important, which was, which is um, really how to accept and maybe even like themselves. And and when that happens, what I notice is when that happens, it shifts the communication that people have, not only with others but especially with themselves, and that can make all the difference in the world. Uh, the next book, I'm, what I'm really excited about, and, and not that I'm not excited about that 
but the next book is uh, the working title is Bringing in the Business, uh, How to uh, Create More Revenue Without Feeling Like a Salesperson, uh, designed specifically for professional people who know they need to bring more business in in order to be successful, uh, but they don't want to think of it as sales. Um, and uh, I'm going to be working uh, on that with Henry and I think with Mark. So that's, that's very exciting to me. David, let's, let's talk about the target for the, the book and the problem that the book solves. Um, we did a little work on that last night. What, um, who is the book for and what is the problem that it solves? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, the, the problem is most professional people that I work with, and when I say professional people, I'm talking about financial advisors, uh, attorneys, um, people who, are, who sell service, um, know that, they, they, that the key to their success, if they're in a firm, the key to partnership, or if they're on their own, certainly the key to success is bringing in more business but they, I don't think they like the whole term of sales. Joe, I don't mean to infringe on, on your area. I know it's, it's uh, we, I think we deal in tangential uh, areas, but, but they know they need to bring more business in, but they've got a mindset that, ooh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna have to sell. And, uh, and that's the problem. So the problem that I solve for them is I have a very non-toxic, approach that's very conversational and 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 now the question isn't is someone going to buy or not the question is we have a conversation are they a good fit for what i offer and and it just shifts the whole uh dynamic does that answer your question i hope oh it's it's, it's a great start the Perfect. the issue for a lot of our authors is and Teresa Ashby faces this. Um, I know I face it, Mark faces it. Um, these people who are uh, trusted advisors, they're professionals, they're independent consultants. Um, there's this whole group and I'm not sure if there's any term that's out there that they all identify with and say, that's me. That's my group. Um, I know they don't use solo entrepreneur. Um, that's what the Census Bureau calls them. So we're always looking for those terms. Um, and Mark has used things about people who sell their time, talent, and you know, or their wisdom and their, you know, so it's all these things that it's that service business. I feel financial advisors are a big group in that. Yeah. And to your point, uh, attorneys are the biggest group. However, I have not found them to be open to a lot of advice in the area. Well, more yeah. like the rare attorney. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And so, so one of the things that I do with with attorneys is uh, I let them know that I don't I don't really market to attorneys anymore. And now they have to convince me that they're the right kind of person for the, because if all they want to do is argue all day, I'm not interested. That's not, that's not my, uh, that's not the way I want to spend my life. 
And so uh, I had one guy who, uh, who put it so brilliantly. He said, there's two kinds of attorneys. There are gladiators and there are senators. He said, I'm a senator. You need to teach me how to bring in more business and I'm not going to argue with you all day long. And I said, perfect. And he, and he ended up being a perfect fit. And so, uh, so the people that want to argue all day long and, and don't, don't want to take advice, uh, if you've got time for a really quick story, Henry, I was, doing, I was doing a seminar one time. There was a group of uh, about a dozen attorneys in the room. And one of the things that I was talking about was time management. And, and one of my basic principles is there is no such thing as time. It was a made up system, but the system that got made up was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is 168 hours. And this one guy sitting off to my right says, uh, there aren't 24 hours in a day. And I said, well, on this planet, there, you know, that's always what I've been taught is that there's 24 hours in a day. And he, and he wants to argue about it. He says, there's not 24 hours in a day. In fact, you know, you've got to sleep and you've got to do all these other things. And I said, yeah, part of the 24 hours, I said. And he said, but there's not 24 hours in a day. And I turned to the rest of the group and I said, and that's why I don't work with attorneys. <laughs> so, so my similar story is teaching at the graduate level at UC San Diego. Yeah. Um, and I was teaching um, ethics. And the, the case I had was about the um, president had an affair with the vice president. And this has happened at several, you know, several stories about this. And it's always a male president, a female vice president. Um, Mary Ben, let's see. Anyway, um, I'll leave out specifics. But I'm going through and I'm talking about this and I have this student, she goes, I don't understand. And I said, well, the, you know, they're both married to different people and they have an affair. And she said, I don't understand what, you know, why is this a problem? And it went on three times. And then another student said, a professor DeVries, she's French. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> America, <laughs> this is an ethical problem. Exactly. Is it France? That, that wasn't a problem. Not a problem. Uh, yeah, yeah, not a problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, you bring up an interesting point I want to share with everybody from a business development standpoint. I want you marketing to a certain target audience, a perfect fit target audience. That doesn't mean you can't do business with anybody else. And I also adopted the philosophy that um, if you if you want to meet with me and convince me to take you on as a client, it sounds very arrogant, but when done right. So I had this man and I said, I work with independent consultants who want to attract high paying clients by marketing with a book and a speech. He goes, well, I want to pay you for two hours. Can I just do two hours and ask you a bunch of questions about my business? It's this retail business, a specialty retail business. So I said, okay. So I'm meeting with him and something comes up and I said, well, um, when I worked with Target, what we did in that situation was this. And then another thing came up and I said, oh, well, when I worked with Petco, what we did in that situation was this. And the third thing came up, another retailer, and he goes, hey, wait a minute. You said you only work with independent consultants. I said, no. I said, my target audience is independent consultants. I didn't say I haven't worked with other people and I didn't have that experience. I'm just not seeking that business right now. So after two hours, I knew enough that that's all I wanted with this person. 
So you get to make those decisions. That's right. So we market to a specific group. We can have a sales conversation with anybody who approaches us and it's interesting to you. Um, it's called the professional rule. If a professional meets with you, they will only take your case or your, your, have you as a client if they find your work interesting and they believe they can help you. David, I interviewed one attorney for one of my books and I asked him what kind of law he practiced and he said rent law. Any law that pays the rent, that's the law I practice. <laughs> I knew there was something coming. This is not the strategy. Boom, 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 boom. Now that's comedy. I'll be here all week. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, David. I want to, with that, we should move on to Mason. Uh, that sounds like a perfect uh, Mason introduction here. Mason, tell us a little more about uh, Hutzpah and your work and if there's an issue that's on your mind. Sure. Thank you, everybody. And uh, thank you, Henry. Um, let's see. The work is based on research, interviews, experience. It was originally designed as a higher level sales training uh, called the Chutzpah Rules. The book ended up becoming the Chutzpah Advantage. And I was giving presentations to sales teams. The feedback I was getting back was that this is more motivating than we expected. We thought you were going to give us another um training in terms of the technical aspects of sales and from there i grew it to meeting with other people uh, executives uh small business owners managers so uh once i realized that i had i was only paying the rent with a small group of people but there was a larger group of people who could benefit from the ideas behind the book and the chutzpah advantage um, i decided to make it uh available to more more people uh the covid came along and uh all the speaking engagements went away so i felt this is a good time to write that book that i've been putting off and with uh henry and the team at uh at indy the book is now out there uh reviews are good although i wish i had more and sales are steadily or at least i believe steadily increasing now, a question that might benefit, uh, that I've run across and might benefit people. In my attempts to continue furthering my reach on the marketing side, I have been paying more attention to those emails or LinkedIn solicitations for will help you grow your reach, you'll get more likes and comments, and that will naturally lead to more. I've been um, unusually suspicious of claims like these, and believe that they're the automation processes that are sometimes used or the methodology used might be frowned upon by linkedin now i'm also from new york so i'm naturally suspicious anyway so i might be jumping the gun on this um, but henry and everybody on the call is anybody here using an automated system to try and grow uh likes and comments on linkedin and i spoke with somebody just this morning overseas who was telling me, oh no, it's fantastic. Think of how we'll add a zero to all of the uh, views you're getting and the comments. I said, yes, but if they're the wrong market, that doesn't benefit me. Other than that, it looks good. Uh, but again, it doesn't pay the rent getting back Henry to your client. I love that story. So uh, my questions are, uh, does it make sense? 
Should I continue looking at my marketing mixed with more traditional things? And is it in violation of LinkedIn's rules? So any help in this area would be great. Yeah, let me start it off and then I'll throw it to the panel of experts. Um, Ellen Melko Moore, who is a LinkedIn expert and has spoken for us and I talk about in my new book, Rainmaker Confidential. See how I worked in my new book title in there? Um, so in my new book, Rainmaker Confidential, we have a whole section that LinkedIn will uh, boot you out of LinkedIn if they catch you doing this. So it is definitely against LinkedIn's policy. Uh, LinkedIn is meant to uh, be person to person. And her best recommendation is um, you could hire a person to be you. And as Suzanne is uh, me and another one of our authors um, on a first go round, but, but she's looking for why is um, Henry and this person have something in common? So the the, the offer to LinkedIn, oh, I see that you're also a graduate of uh, UC San Diego, and, or I see that you also attended the Harvard Business School uh, program for professional service firms or whatever the connection is. And then would you like to link in? Sometimes we'll add, you know, I'm a columnist for Forbes.com. That's a nice name drop if you can do that. And then when somebody asks some specific question, it gets kicked up to me and then I answer it. Though Suzanne is like uh, one of those artificial intelligence robot learning machines. She's learned about, <laughs> she repeated 10 different answers that I give commonly. And she goes, oh, if it's just something like that, I give one of the 10 answers, um, you know? And then, so it's a third level if we really get it kicked up. She also can smell um, those automated uh, responses and outreaches from a million miles away. And um, usually we just do a nice, polite, no thanks. Um, so there's that. Um, the person with the biggest list at the end doesn't win. Uh, to your point, it's to be targeted. Um, you know your target. Mason, you have a hard time because um, your target's a little more broad. Would you agree? It is more broad, but I, I can segment and go after pieces within that. So I don't always think in terms of, that's my target, use the shotgun. I think in terms of, okay, they need a special approach. So for example, I'm, uh, somebody who's read my book has now said they want to write a book with me uh, on the chutzpah advantage and wellness. He happens to be a radiologist using the keys and then uh, generating the stories. So uh, keep it somewhat consistent, but he liked the approach. He thinks that it, it will work. So that would be an example of if I was speaking in healthcare, um, I would target uh, healthcare people with a different story than if I'm speaking to salespeople. And, and you and I, you were great when we last spoke, uh, gave me some uh, exceptional advice on, again, targeting salespeople, sales VPs, because uh, this upper level piece, I said earlier that uh, I originally created this as an upper level sales type of training, um, not the technical training they go through. And I came to the realization that everybody I've met has at some point or another been trained in sales. 
and techniques. The difference is who's really motivated, who perseveres, who calls that person three, five, seven, ten times, or finds a way around the no. Um, what keeps people going? And that's what the chutzpah advantage provides. So long answer to I, I try and target for the group. It's, it's a great answer. I'm glad you're bringing it up. It, it applies to Joe, but it applies to so many here. Um, so Mason's target is not necessarily industry. It's what role they are in the organization. And the role is sales. Um, chutzpah can be another word for overcoming fear. I, I saw a headline yesterday that cancer never rests. And I thought fear never rests. And fear is stopping more salespeople than anything. I don't know if you and Joe would agree. Um, I'm thinking though, that's the problem. The VP of sales thinks that their sales team has. That's what, they've given them a great system. They have a great product or service to sell. Um, but it's, you know, picking up the phone or going on social media or um, whatever it is that you do to generate leads these days, um, that they're hesitant. There's always, and I, I worked in insurance. I mean, let's, let's call a stranger up and talk about uh, their life. You know, when, when do they plan to die? Uh, you know, these are, it's a tough to make some of those phone calls, but it's the only way to do it. However, when I rank how you should get a client, that finishes 14 out of 100. Um, there are 13 better ways to uh, get interest in what you're doing. Uh, number three is write a book and then speak and write about the book to attract people. So we, we know that we should be putting on seminars and other things to attract them. So um, the nice thing about LinkedIn, when you have all these salespeople uh, aboard, is you can put on Zoominars around the topic about chutzpah and sales. Oh, this doctor, by the way, is this doctor in the tribe? Happens to be, yes. South Africa. Be, I hope so. South Africa, so, uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, he, I'm sure he can tell some good Jewish doctor jokes. Yeah, he happens to be a funny guy as well on his own. So I thought he was going to read this earlier. He took his time reading it. He actually tore his Achilles. He said, okay, now I'm ready to read your, your uh, book because I'm stuck in my bed for three weeks. I said, well, that's an endorsement of that I, I look forward to getting from you. Yes. Um, but then a day later, he said, I finished it and it was brilliant. South Africans use the word brilliant a lot. English too. Brilliant. Yes, English as well, right. Brilliant. So then he, yeah. then, then he brought up, could we do something together? I said, I'd love to. Yeah. Well, now Mark and I have talked about um, the power of co-authoring. Yes. We are huge advocates of it. Um, expand your reach, could lower your costs in half. You still, the, the real ROI that we all know is what happens as a result of the book. So you can get that same ROI as the co-author of a book. The other advantage is if the other co-author brings what we call platform to it. Mm -hmm. So what is their platform? How many people are they linked in with? How many people are on their opt-in email list? Um, how many people, if Facebook or you know Instagram, um, Twitter, 
so these are the social media things, yeah. but you know, do they have a column somewhere and are they allowed to use the column to promote? So there's all these things that you look at as far as platform can greatly enhance your work. I like to think it just at the minimum, it doubles what you can do. So interesting to look into. Let's move on to Joe. Uh, Joe, you're up. We've been talking around you. Let's talk to you and with you. Uh, Joe, tell us about the book. Um, Joe is in the um, middle of the publishing process right now, the designing process uh, with his book coming out. And tell us about the book and what's on your mind. Um, first, what's on my mind is it's uh, a struggle with uh, narrowing your audience. I, I hear what you're saying, and it just goes against the grain. Um, I, I look at it with what you're doing. You're working with authors. That's kind of your niche, but they go across a wide spectrum of, of different things they're, they're experts on. I'm looking at, I work with salespeople, top professionals, and the leadership of salespeople across those same spectrums. So I'm having, I need help struggling or, or narrowing that market down. That's one question. Um, and we may talk, talk about that offline too, if that's uh, whenever. Okay. Um, and then the part that I think David had even addressed what you said, what I found in sales is the understanding that people sell logically. They are taught to sell logically, feature benefit. Uh, you go to any sales training uh, room any Monday morning, they're teaching about product. Sales are made emotionally. It's an emotional connection. They're both important, but it's that emotional connection. And what I found is there's, I look at it, there's two buckets that need to be filled. The logical bucket and the emotional bucket. They both have to be filled. The logical bucket is filled with my voice, the salesperson. I fill up that bucket. The emotional bucket is filled up with their voice. That's the key. That's how we do it. That's how we can make sales more natural. Uh, David, you're saying there's that kind of pushback from sales that people don't like being in there because they just do all the talking. Well, how to sell nothing is pretty much you just get them talking, asking questions. What do you want? Why is that important to you? Tell me more about that. What does that look like? Can you give me an example? People will tell you, well, let me say it this way. Doctors can't fix you until you tell them how or why. And I can't sell you until you tell me how or why. So that's kind of what the, the how to sell nothing, that's pretty much the, the problem I fix. Um, a book by one of our authors that has just come out, The Priority Sale, you should read. The Priority Sale? Brian Gray and several others. The Priority Sale and there might be a 99 cent Kindle version right now. If you look into it, they'd appreciate it. If you did. What was the last name, Brian? Gray, G-R-A-Y. Okay. Thank you. Um, he runs a, a consulting firm in Indianapolis and his clients are big architectural firms, uh, big construction firms, all these people who um, need to find clients and, um, you know, get invited to a pitch and all these things. But he says, we're all selling to a three pound organ at the top of the neck, you know, that lump at the top of the neck. And that lump makes decisions on emotion, not logic. Yep. And he has studied the order in which you give the logical information 
So the brain is engaged. And then when you give the emotional information, um, might be edifying for you. The other thing is you should uh, uh, be a, uh, 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 where's Mason? You should be a mensch and promote his book. Because <laughs> Mason then, and I are talking. We got, we got something cooking, right, Mason? Yeah. <laughs> So then, then, you know, there'll be cross promotion back or seminars put on together, um, you know, guests. Um, uh, Mark creates many opportunities where I get to guest and speak. I've created many opportunities for Mark to do that. Um, we're, we're talking about these other uh, opportunities, you know, that David, we could get him in front of people. Um, and he can probably get us in front of people we're not in front of. So relationships is a, are a key relationships are a key in this business to expand so if you don't necessarily need to co-author with somebody but you can cross promote and the best place to start is within the indie books family absolutely so as opposed to approaching some stranger with uh, yeah i'd be good for you um this sounds like a horrible dating app right oh man <laughs> i'd be good for you <laughs> Indies for singles. Yeah, yeah, right. You couldn't pay me enough money to relive my 20s. Let's tell, let me tell you that. Oh, no. Um, no, no, no. I want to go back there. Okay. So, Joe, I think the truth that you're sharing is that you're a horizontal, not a vertical. My vertical is independent consultants, but let me tell you, it took me years to fully accept that. I fought it all the way. Yeah. And they kept showing up and well, I had a big campaign where I had a partner who had created a million dollar law firm and we were marketing exclusively to lawyers about creating a million dollar firm and got zero clients. Meanwhile, all these independent consultants contacted me and wanted to convince me to take them on as a client. So after the 10th brick landed on my head, I said, oh, the universe is sending me a message um, and it's changed everything. So you'll also, maybe you're looking for that and you'll find some inter intersection. Okay. Uh, Mark tells the story of this one man who, if, if you run a lumber yard, this is your guy. Uh, and, and he just doesn't know about marketing lumber yards. He knows about managing them and selling them and every anything to do with a lumber yard business. He's the guy. Um, so maybe you'll become that specialized that um, there is gold in them hills if you're known to one group and you can help them with many problems. Um, if not, you've got to go, you just help with this one problem, sales. And I like your approach because you're, um, sales system agnostic. It doesn't really matter if I'm using uh, Sandler sales or Miller Hyman or uh, Xerox, um, uh, Tommy Hawkins, you know, Zig Ziglar, whatever. Um, they all have this common issue that you talk about. Um, actually, uh, you and Mason talk about the same issue, just from different. Um, you're coming from different places. Mm -hmm. It's like a, <laughs> it's like the formula for creating a police show on TV. 
He's a fast-talking Jew from New York City. He's a the slow-as-you-roll sausage eater from Wisconsin. Together, they fight crime. So who's who? Just, I'm not sure who's who here. <laughs> just pick the two. I'll explain it later. Okay. Uh, with that, I'd like to go to uh, first Dr. Teresa. Uh, tell us about your book, what you're planning, what you're planning. You know, actually, actually, we pivoted about three years ago. And, you know, when when COVID hit, we were we were on the you know side of, of uh, the right side in the growth. Um, we I, I wrote a book about implementation because I saw the frustration consultants we're dealing with when they were trying to implement on their business. And then through our pivot, we really now are, are all about helping consultants create their e-learning courses within their scalability model. And so how do they add these digital products into their, their business model, um, either to generate revenue or generate leads? I mean, there's so many, so many consultants out there that are just tapped out. And they have no more hours, no more time to make any more billable hours. So, so it's been a good pivot. Um, with that pivot comes the opportunity to write another book with, with you and, and the team over there. And we started out through the um, book blueprint. I wanted to just kind of get a hold on that. And if anybody's out there just thinking about writing a book, this is a really great way to get your thoughts organized. And as you put it, Henry, who, who's it for and what pain does it solve? And so uh, the new book is gonna really solve that pain of where do I start and what does it mean for my business and how can I grow using these digital products? Um, so, so yeah, so it's been, it's been good. And I've been doing a, a lot of guesting on podcasts to help market what I'm doing. The new book, it'll, I'll help, I'll be marketing it through that. I spend a lot of time on Facebook and LinkedIn for my marketing. My, my newest thing is how is Clubhouse gonna help with some of leveraging uh, the business, but also when the book comes out. And so I'm exploring that. Our author, Judy Carter, is very high on Clubhouse. I know a lot of us, and I didn't want to be the Clint Eastwood, oh, you know, kids, get off my lawn, oh, Clubhouse, you know, it's like it's the thing. Uh, but I was doing a lot, so I was just keeping my eye on it. Um, and Judy, uh, gosh, Judy and another one of our authors, talks about how they get clients in Clubhouse and it's it's to them, it's speaking and you get in there. And uh, another author I helped talked about how she got kicked out of a Clubhouse uh, group. So there's a, there's, she tends to be a little aggressive. Um, yeah, a little, yeah. little pushy. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Mason, I don't know what that, you have to bad chutzpah you talk about, but there, there must be some other word. Um, for somebody who's just, uh, you know, it's beyond chutzpah. It's just so pushy and annoying. Uh, you got to get them out of your life. So, oh, well, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not sure of the word, but she could be the third person in that detective series with Joe and me. <laughs> I, I won't give her intro. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. I wanted to come back to Teresa. Teresa, um, so the book was for consultants and then you pivoted three years ago you're offering something different do you feel the book gave you credibility with that group even though it wasn't on the specific topic a absolutely it still creates doors because it's still about 
how do you implement on your, your, you know, you still have goals, you still have strategic markers and how do you, how do you grow your business through, you know, through your strategy? And, and I definitely think it does. I think it, people see it on my profile, right. On my LinkedIn and my website. And so just instantly it gives me credibility. Yeah. So Teresa is a perfect fit client for me. So we have a 23 point profile and you can go down the whole 23 points on the profile and she's just great. Now, one of the things is, uh, and refresh me, the PhD is from USC? Uh, no, from, from California School of Professional Psychology and my master, my MBA is from the University of Redlands. Yeah, thank yeah. you, MBA Redlands, okay. Right. So, so a PhD, MBA, um, big corporate position with Kaiser Health. So all these things that you would say credibility, um, the amazing thing is how much more credibility adding author to that is. Um, because of all the professionals, we're estimating only 15% will actually do a book. Mm. Because it's a lot of work and there's cost and investments and all that. Um, Okay, a lot of us are on the business to business level. Thanks, Teresa. I'm gonna to turn to Dr. Carey now. Uh, Dr. Carey is a, a therapist. So we would say her book is more for a consumer. Um, it's, it's more for an individual person. And there's some nuances to that. And then a lot of similar things too. So Dr. Carey, why don't you tell us about your work? Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Carey, the author of Self-Help on the Go, which Henry and I are putting out hopefully in November. We're in the throes of edits and covers and all of the exciting things. And my book, I really work with people who want to learn effective ways to navigate life's difficult situations and figuring out your next best move. So I come from a platform called Psychological Flexibility, which is all about accepting the reality you have and then figuring out what the heck to do with it. And my book has 99 different suggestions, all based in research and 20 years of psychology practice about how to do that skillfully, easily, and at a low cost. So let me tell the group where you're at exactly because yeah. they'll relate. So <laughs> she wrote her manuscript. I did the first developmental edit. She came in with a revised manuscript. We went to the first, what we call first editor. Um, and this is one of our experienced copy editor who raises a lot of issues on a manuscript. So it went back uh, to Dr. Carey and then it made her question some things. Uh, made her talk to people about things. It's that last, she's at the last stop before the train leaves the station, the ship leaves the dock. And any change after this, um, you know, $100 an hour uh, for artist changes and all that. So this is the point where you want to get it right. You've all been there. Um, so we're going to have... Um, the good author-editor debate on a lot of things. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it because this is where we need to make some interesting decisions mm -hmm. and then say, and that's the decision. Now we're gonna live with and it. And we're going. The best, yeah. It was like, um, 
So you get up to that point. The cement dries tomorrow. So we're doing that. Um, as far as the marketing, when we get this published out there, what's the, what's the concern on your mind? Well, you know, one of the concerns I have is I am trying to figure out what my niche is. I have an idea of who the ideal client is for this book. The ideal client for this book is essentially male or female, busy professional who needs quick assistance, who doesn't feel like reading an entire self-help book, also doesn't want to come at things anymore from the perspective of how broken they are, what trauma they have to get over. Like it's time to move, it's time to move forward and to do that quickly and efficiently. I think my book gives really good suggestions in terms of marketing. I think uh, you were talking to Joe a little bit, like how do you narrow that niche to, to make good sense? And then the other thing that I'm currently getting is just bombarded with people who are like, purchase my program. It's, 350 a month. It's 2000 a month. I'll market your book. I'll do this. I'll do that. And how on earth do you figure out which of those is actually worth doing and what of those is not so much? When the person with experience meets the people, person with money, the person with experience gets the money and the person with the money gets an experience. So we don't want you to get an experience. Now, experience is what you wanted when you wanted something else. So, right. will I, I can help you analyze the programs? Okay. Um, it's not really a com competition to me. We all have to invest and make decisions. Now, my meditation on you, for want of a better word, my meditation on your marketing is I don't think you're a horizontal. Like this book is for HR directors. No nope. book is for, no. So, however, there's some, and it's not, this book is for everyone or ever. Um, I think you said the word professional. Mm -hmm. um, I would really look carefully. Is it the professional trusted advisor, independent consultant market? Because if it is, you've got opportunities for cross-promotion and sponsorships with people like David, Henry, Mark, um, we can go on some, because, uh, Teresa, um, we talk to these people. They're, they're our tribe, yep. uh, you know? So it's nice to be, if you could pick a tribe and then from there um, agree to sell to anybody who gets your book, but don't market to everybody. Yep. That makes sense? Yep. Okay. So let's let's think about that for you. And that's valuable for us all. It's uh, uh, if, if there's a tribe you can be going after, that's a great thing. Um, okay. I think uh, Chris Hodges, have we covered you yet? I don't think so. You, you uh, have not. And I, well, that's that's a that's a horrible error, um, uh, Chris. Uh, you've got the floor. Well, thank you. Um, and if you're wondering why the show of lights is going on, we've lost all the power in my house, so I'm struggling to have this conversation. <laughs> anyway, here we are. My book is called Noble Automation Now, and what it really is is a treatise to say 
we all need to use these automation tools, which are generally called intelligent automation. And that's, think of things like voice recognition and image recognition and something called robotic process automation, which is basically software that can move back and forth and, and do various things that a human could do. It's all that stuff that scares the hell out of people in the middle of companies because they're all afraid they're gonna lose their jobs, right? But that automation is no, not really any different than any other major waves of technological improvement. My whole book is how to help leaders, the business leaders and their HR partners. So if you're asking who is my audience, it's the business leaders and their HR partners to implement this in a way that helps people find better quality work in what they're doing. It helps companies thrive, not just slash costs. It comes from you know, deep experience having done that for years. So I, I do know of what I speak to some degree. I spent years in Accenture and Deloitte. And as my book has evolved, I have found the real calling is as is, is much about leadership as it is about the implementation of something as nitty gritty as, as automation. So my initial audience, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have this group and people to talk to about this. This has been a, a real valuable thing for me to have everyone to talk to and listen to. My initial wave of sales, I expect to come from the 13 C-level executives who I actually interviewed for the book. So uh, six Fortune 100 CEOs, it's a, that's, there's a long story how that happened. Luckily, it was kind of a lucky thing, but anyway, very senior level CEOs and CHROs. And I've already had one of them who looks like they wanna have me come with my book and brief and, and train their, their leadership team. So that'll be my first wave is these people who, who embrace this idea of the nobility of work and using automation to do that. My questions for this call, Henry, when I saw your, your email that said, you know, bring your questions and, and throw them out there. There, there are two things that I have read your book, I have listened to you for months and the two and, and, and enjoyed that. And I'm right smack in the middle of your tribe. <laughs> I am that guy you, you're selling to. Two things that seem to be very appealing and, um, and, and make sense for me. One of which is this storm starter strategy, right? Which I know Mark talks a lot about and how that works. And another, and I, I don't wanna say second because I think the small scale seminar, reaching out to people for the small scale seminar, which I believe is your number one uh, suggested uh, business development tool. That's the second one. So if I were to ask questions, if, if that was an opportunity, one, some thoughts around how not to give away the family jewels in the small scale seminar. I know everyone worries about that, mm -hmm. but I'd love to talk a little bit about that. And what length of time, Devin and I have had a call on this, what length of time is a good thing to do that small scale seminar given today's world of Zoom, et cetera. And yep. then you can spend some time on that storm starter strategy. I love the idea of making two or three phone calls a day. I'm not sure what I'm saying on the phone. <laughs> so okay. I'd love to talk, talk about those two. Well, thanks. Uh, let me just do it real quickly. Um, and then, um, okay. So the first question is, how do I not give away the family jewels? I've studied this extensively. I've studied the most successful people at this. You can never give away too much information at your workshops and seminars. Um, 
And for a lot of you, I want to recommend a book if you want it from me, I can get it for you. Wealth Through Workshops um, by Callan Rush is a very detailed model of how to do this. Dr. Carey, you, you probably need to be doing this. Um, and, and it's your offers to leverage your time and find these uh, non-broken people, but who want the prize is they can be so much better with the, um, the 99 um, tip strategy, life hacks, whatever we wanna call them in the book. Um, so you can't give away too much. Um, and they hire you for specifics. It's not because they became an expert in everything you taught. Your presentation taught them, oh, this woman, this man is the expert. Let me have a meaningful conversation with them and get to specifics. Also, I found orally, you cannot give away too many specifics on the phone calls. Just what I won't do is write down specifics for them, but I'll talk it through them. One person today was concerned about stories for their book. And I said, well, let's work on a story. Give me your story. And we spent 20 minutes. And by the end, she says, okay, now how do I hire you? When, do we, when can we start? Um, because that proved to her, she didn't go, ha ha, I stole a story from Henry. No, I can pay him. Uh, it was enough to say, okay, I need him to do 12 stories like that for my book. Same thing with you, Chris, same thing with a lot of us. The storm starter calls really quick it are gonna go to decision makers who can hire you to give a presentation or decision makers who can hire you as a consultant. So Mason might come up with a list of sales VPs who could use Mason to be a speaker and his his um, storm starter call uh, is the uh, hi, Dr. Ashby. Um, if you'd be open to it, well, first, I hope you're doing well. We met through the, this conference. You know, there's some connection. And second is, if you'd be open to a conversation about having me talk about the chutzpah advantage at an upcoming conference, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, I know you're busy, so when the timing's right, uh, we can do that. Um, let me send you a copy of the book. Um, look forward to it. And the, the person might say, thanks, if you got them on the phone. If you got a voicemail, you just left the voicemail. If you got a real person, uh, one out of 20 might say, well, tell me more about this, the chutzpah advantage. I'm intrigued. Because they have a conference coming up and they don't have a speaker yet. So they might give you a tell me more for a couple of minutes on the phone call. That's how that works. Um, we send postcards with that message. We send copies of the books with that message. And again, we're finding about one in 20 is the person, but we don't know how to, who they are without reaching the whole 20. Others might have this latency thing where a year later or something you hear from them. But right now, probably one in 20 sales managers need this or need this in the coming year. Um, you can hire Pray Their Marketing Services to do it for you if you want. At uh, the last quote I got was $24 an hour. 
that they'll help you put, well, first off, I've, they've agreed that they would help any one of our authors for a pretty low price, put together the database of 240 decision makers to reach out to. Um, we might be talking a couple of hundred dollars. And then, because that's the hardest part on this is who am I gonna call? Yeah, exactly. That works for all us B2B. Dr. Carey has a little different situation, but if she knows that she does this, um, like her friend, uh, one of our authors, Brenda uh, Adilla, Brenda knows what kind of corporate executive hires her. So she's in that lane, you know, for executive coaching and all that. So Dr. Carey needs to find her lane. She might experiment with a couple of different lanes. I did until one clicked. Matter of fact, I, it, it clicked hard and I didn't realize it for a while. It might have been the the seventh one who found me and asked me to ghostwrite their book for them. And I thought, huh, what if I marketed to these people? What could happen? Because um, you know, seven seven had to uh, seven had to look in the basement to find this guy was hiding uh, to talk to him. So what would happen? Okay, I, I see. This was a great call. Thanks everybody for joining and participating. Um, a lot of issues there. Uh, that as authors and experts, people who are wanting to have more impact and influence that we all have to deal with. It's a continuous science experiment. Um, and that's what, uh, not in those words, but that's what Sam Walton said about Walmart. Um, he, get, he kept experimenting with this and that and recording the results. So we're all uh, doing a science experiment with what our hypothesis and theory is. And then we put things out there to see the results. And if we keep listening, if we keep listening, they'll tell us what we should do. So thank you everybody for uh, being participants today. And uh, I invite you to come back to another Marketing with a Book podcast. Thanks everybody.